I want to say that it is Wednesday night. It is September 18, 2019, and we are continuing our series of All Aboard. And tonight's message that is a part of that series is titled Family Function. Family Function. If you could put up the slide for us. We've had this since the very first message of All Aboard and the seven core principles of LCM. Last week, we had foundational transformation. Did that lead to some transformation inside of your life? All Sunday, we had full price. That raised the bar for us to step up to that measure. Amen? Here's what I want to cover with you tonight. We're going to cover the third of these seven core principles, family function. And it's about how a family is to function. How we build on the foundational transformation that occurred inside of every one of our lives. And how we apply that full price attitude that will enable our family to function in right order. Everybody say right order. Let's start. Everybody turn to Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. We're beginning with this scripture because everything about your family function hinges on being a peacemaker. The only way that we can build on a foundational transformation that exemplifies a full price attitude is by being the kind of men that establish shalom. Do you hear me, men, tonight? We want to be the kind of men that establish right order first in our homes. Because we're called to be peacemakers. The kind that is like the Colt 45 peacemaker. Not that UN peacekeeping kind of spirit. That may have a gun, but it has no ammo. And by doing so, of being peacemakers, we will be blessed as we do it. Will we be blessed as we do it? This is similar to I would have seen Isaiah 61.10 and 1 Corinthians 11. Not only is every man clothed in salvation, he is the priest of his own home. Men of God, are you proud to be priest? Well, as the priest of our family, it is our responsibility to facilitate shalom facilitate shalom first in our own home because that's what priests do let's turn to numbers chapter 25 and we'll start in verse 10 numbers 25 10 the lord said to moses phinehas son of eleazar the son of aaron the priest has turned my anger away from the Israelites. For he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them, so that in my zeal I did not put an end to them. Therefore I tell him I am making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. Can you see that Phinehas was a peacemaker? 
In like manner, we are to carry that same responsibility, that same zeal to establish peace in our own homes. As the priest of my home, I came to a point when I had to learn how to make peace. I may have borne a likeness to Phinehas more than I actually wanted to. What I mean is, as a new husband, I was all too eager to throw my spear at something. And what I came to understand is that not everything requires a spear, but everything needs attention. Was it easy? No. Did my family like it? No. Was it worth it? Absolutely yes. And you know what the real catch is? They love it. They absolutely love it when we make peace. Because each of us want to be in right order with God rather than just have a cessation of hostilities. Cessation of hostilities is no peace at all. It is just an open door for the devil to take more room. Like Phinehas, I have taken my stand and the Lord has blessed me because of it. I want to look at another man of God who took his stand and was blessed by the Lord because of it. Let's all turn to Genesis chapter 7, and we'll start in verse 1. All right. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Oh, what an accolade it would be to hear God proclaim that over you and your whole household. But that's only half of the story. That's what God told him. Let's see what he actually did because we're called to be peacemakers. Let's go to verse 13. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. When we're born again, we have received a foundational transformation. I'm talking about a real revelation from God of God, just like Noah did. We exemplify a full price attitude like Noah, who persevered over the course of 100 years to build a boat. I want to tell you now it's time. Once that boat is built, now it's time to invite our families into the shalom that we have worked so hard to construct. I'm talking about open the doors and making a call of all aboard. All aboard the USS Shalom right now. And just like Noah who brought his family into that ark, we now call out to our family and we say, get in the truck. I'm talking about this is LCM. Get in the truck. Men, I want you to turn to your wives and I want you to tell them, get in the truck. Now, I don't mean the back seat of a truck. I'm talking about joining me in leadership, riding shotgun in the passenger seat of the truck. Now, parents, turn to your children and say, get in the truck. Sometimes it's just got to be said. Cassidy, are you going to get in the truck? I know you are, baby. 
Because Noah couldn't do this alone. He needed his family all aboard to get in a truck in order to fulfill their family function. Oh, if I'm only preaching it and not doing it, I'm failing to be a peacemaker. You know what, Cassidy? I want you to get up here with me. I want you to come preach this word with me. My easy easer. I'm all aboard, baby. You all aboard? <laughs> I'm all aboard. I know you all aboard. <laughs> Y'all, I'm so excited to be up here with my husband. Yeah! This is awesome. <laughs> Y'all know for years, I wasn't even in the car. Sometimes, sometimes I would get in, but I'd be riding in the back seat. But do you know that this ministry trained me to be the type of woman that's worthy to lead alongside of a man who's following Jesus? Yes! Yes! Thank you, Eric and Jen. You know, with my wife all aboard, we want to tell you of three ways that we've learned how to facilitate shalom together. Y'all ready to write? Number one, we take ownership. We take ownership. Number two, we don't pass the buck. Mm. Number three, we lead by example. Well, as we take a look at the first one of take ownership, I want to liken it to the taking off of an airplane in its flight path. I've had to learn how to take ownership of the condition of my own household. And what we want to implore you tonight is that you do the same. Take ownership of the condition of your household. I was born again at the age of 16, and prior to that, I lived in a household that had no clue of the standards of God. No idea how to establish right order in a home. And there were some of the side effects of that that led me to crying out to God that he would establish right order inside of me. And at 16, I was transformed in my bedroom, a new creation. And from that point forward, I knew what I wanted in a home, but I had no idea of actually how to get there. How do you fashion right order in a home? I longed for it. I craved it. And because of that, there was this ever presence of a fear of loss. I'm talking about when I'm sitting there as a young man anticipating to build a home and eventually getting married. This gnawing element that I would make the same mistakes that my household did before I was born again. And as a result, I would lose everything and repeat in the same manner. Well, I can tell you, since moving to LCM in 2004, I have had the opportunity to learn the pattern of what godly leadership actually looks like. And learn how to have taken ownership of my home without... Free from the fear of loss. I am now experiencing the blessings of having aimed my family daily at the goal of shalom. A home that God can bless. A home that the presence and the power of God can actually move through. You know, Matt's talking about having a fear of loss. And men struggle with that. I think for women, we, we struggle with the fear of loss of control. 
right? Yeah. And so in my experience, my family, I grew up in a, in, in a family that positioned me to actually lean into fear. I, that, that's what comforted me. I, I tried to take control of every fearful situation. Whether I perceived it as fearful or it was actually fearful or whatever it was, I wanted control because that gave me security. But once I was born again, the Lord began a revolution in my heart. He changed me from a woman completely and totally led by her fears to a woman who was led by the Lord. When I got married, I had to take my faith a little bit deeper because not only was I being asked to be led by the Lord, but I had to be led by my husband and I had to trust him through that. I had to lay down an exponential amount of fears because now I had a man before me and not a God. And what if he got it wrong? And the Lord said, trust me. That's the choice that lies before you. And it's whether or not you choose to trust him, you choose to lay down those fears, let go of that, that control, that fear of loss of control, determines your success in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. You know, um, when you're learning all of that, it's a process. And in that process, you get it wrong a lot of times, yeah. which requires your husband to correct you a lot. So not only did I have to learn to let go, but I had to learn to love correction, especially from this man. Amen. Man. You know, there's, there's a similar element in the statement, loving correction. That you must love correction and you must give loving correction. <laughs> Genesis 7.13, Cassidy's going to read this for us again. Yeah, on that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. You know, when the Lord called me here to move my whole family to Sugarland, Texas, I must admit, I knew that I didn't know what in the world I was doing. Now, all I knew is that God had said move here, but actually in function of how to get things right, I had no idea. I had to trust that what God told me was true. And that he was going to control every bit of it and eventually the outcome. Well, that's similar to what we see, let's say, in Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark had no means of control. There was no rudder. There were no no sails, no oars, no means of propulsion. Noah had to trust that God would control the outcome for him and his entire family. For him and his entire family. Come on, are we building the kind of shalom that releases all control to the throne of the living God? Salvation operates the exact same way. There's no way that we can walk in right standing with the living God. That we can stand before the king of kings if we haven't relinquished all control. Y'all know I love my husband. I got a good husband. I got a good husband. But, you know, sometimes he doesn't have all the answers. Nope. And that's okay, except for someone who thrives on answers, right? The place where the, the planning, that, that's where I live, that I need to know what's coming up. I need to know what, where's, where should I set my expectations, baby? I just want to know so I don't get fearful. But in a situation where you're choosing to follow someone who doesn't have all the answers because he's trusting God just like I'm trusting him, I have to choose to let go of that control. I can't demand from the Lord that he give me answers. I can't demand from him that he give me answers. I just need to get in the truck. Yeah. Yes. 
You know, if I wouldn't have done this, I would have denied the blessings that Shalom has brought into my life. I would have denied it for myself, and I would have denied it for my daughters. And I wouldn't be modeling it for them now. I'm modeling this before my daughters now. Right, girls? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Y'all going to have the right expectations. There's something about my wife. She's not a part-time model. She's a full-time model. Depending on the street. You know, Cassidy had to take Cassidy had to take ownership of her own responsibility. Yeah. Because to not take ownership, to not get in the truck, is to deny yourself of salvation. Yeah. Well, there's a second facet of taking ownership, and that's knowing the condition of your flock. Yeah. Let me read this to you. Proverbs twenty seven, twenty three. Be sure. You know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. This scripture brings to mind the past for me. That I was shocked at the condition of my flock. I thought that once I moved here to Sugarland, Texas, I had arrived. That there was no issues of a lack of shalom in my home at all. What I didn't realize is that I had to take ownership of my apathetic eye of shepherding and correct my vision to see what God sees, meaning that I had to address the pride in my own heart that didn't want to look at what was really wrong in fear that I would be disqualified of God's call on my life. By taking ownership of my own family's condition, I was able to correct what was out of shalom. With me first, then my wife, and then my kids. And the beautiful part about every bit of this is that the result of taking ownership has brought me to the point of not only knowing the condition of my flock, but loving the condition of my flock. I'm talking about a radiant bride and radiant children in my household. I am so proud to be the priest and the shepherd over my flock because we've taken the first step of taking ownership. You know, I had to come to a sober judgment of the condition of my own walk with the Lord. I thought because my salvation was so transformational that that was all the transforming I needed to do. Do you ever feel like that? Like, Lord, that was such an amazing experience. I'm here. (laughs) I was also overly confident in my ability to digest the word. Y'all know I love to study the word. And I just thought, okay, well, I, I changed for Jesus. I laid down all that sinful behavior. I know the word. So we're here in Sugar Land. I'm ready to minister. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> but I had to come to a huge reality I had a lack of trust in my husband's leadership, which really meant that I had a lack of trust in the Lord. I mean, that's all it means. When you don't trust your husband, it means you don't trust the Lord. There is no difference. If you don't trust your husband, you don't trust the Lord. Okay? And that means you don't have faith in the Lord. That means you don't have a relationship with the Lord. And that is a scary place to be. I had a decision to make. Was I going to be a stubborn mule 
digging my heels in and claiming the life I was making for myself? Or was I going to let go of control and truly trust the Lord? I had to take ownership, and I'm glad I did. Amen. Because we live in the blessings of the Lord today, and that's something everybody wants to take ownership of. Amen. I couldn't be more proud of my wife's acceptance of taking ownership. And as a result, I can stand up here as a pastor in LCM, as a shepherd of you guys, Mm -hmm. because of what the Lord has done inside of me as a shepherd of my own home. The second thing that we want to cover is number two, we don't pass the buck. Now, in similar nature of an airline flight, when you're not passing the buck, you are staying at cruising altitude. You cannot pass the buck of blame for your family's condition. Uh, You know exactly what I mean. If it never comes out of your mouth, it definitely is inside of your heart. Maybe I would be further along in the Lord. Maybe I would be further along in ministry. Maybe I'd be more anointed if only my wife were doing better. Because she is the whole reason that's holding me back. I'm gifted. I'm anointed. I'm ready to run like a racehorse, but I'm just waiting for her to catch up. Or maybe my husband's not making the right decisions, and we can't do anything in ministry until he gets it right. That's passing the buck. It starts with us, men. Say it starts with me. me. Because you are the priest of your home. Do you remember in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve taking the fall in the garden? And when confronted by God, what did Adam do? Adam passed the buck. Eve passed the buck. Even their kids, Cain, he passed the buck. Oh, I'm so glad we have a much better example to look at. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Shalom. He didn't pass the buck. Instead, like Romans 5, 8 says, he demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't pass the buck? They didn't look at you, Timothy, and said, I hope you have a good time staying down there while in your sin. I'm going to go uh, glorify myself and check you, check you later, man. Instead, we have a king who sacrificed everything instead of passing the buck. So when you're confronted by God, are you going to pass the buck? No. Or are you going to lay down your life so your family can get into right shalom? Yes. Amen. Shalom. You know, my wife and I are leaders of our home. We do not pass the buck. Instead, we make peace by adhering to the word of God. In every scenario. Say every scenario. Every Every time. Say every time. time. And with every person. Say every every person. It's a mandate from God that we do not pass the buck. This is seen in Luke 16, 16. Y'all know this. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing his or her way into it. All men in this room, you ought to hear this and realize that shalom starts with you. Are you going to get in the truck, men? Come on. Women, shalom depends on you. Are you going to get in the truck? So that I can see you children, raise your hand. Shalom protects you 
Are you children going to get in the truck? Oh, come on, say it one more time. Are you children going to get in the truck? That's what I'm talking about. But you know what? None of this works if we do not implement our third and final waypoint. We have to lead by example. Everyone turn to Psalm 3414. As you're turning, lead by examples related to aviation. Because it is the means by which we reach the destination God wants you to arrive at. Leading by example enables you to reach the destination God wants you to arrive at. Cassidy's going to read Psalm 3414 for us. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This is complicated, right? I mean, we need at least uh, two weeks of exegesis to extrapolate the revelation of this verse. Not at all. So in reading this in its plain, understandable context, it makes me want to ask a question. Who's going to make the turn? Shouldn't it be the pilot and then the co-pilot of the turn of the home? Can you imagine the pilot and co-pilot trying to steer in two different directions? It only leads in one direction. That's straight down in a ball of flame. This is like when you drive and you go, why are you going that way? It would be shorter if you took this. Why are you in this lane? You should be in the left lane. you got to make a left turn. <laughs> Look, I'm watching heads hang down, smiles and laughter on faces. You can always tell the condition of a marriage based on just a simple car ride. <laughs> Especially if there's about more than one way to actually get there with the same time, maybe variation of one minute difference if Waze says so. And you begin to see whether or not that home is actually established on Shalom yeah. or is there a true leading by example. <laughs> that leads me to another question. What man in this room is going to start steering the direction of their home by doing what is good. What woman in this room is going to join him in that effort, turning from evil? Oh, ask him one more time. Are y'all going to turn from evil? Join him in that effort. Yes. Amen. (laughs) I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Set an example. Go, Go to my falsetto voice. All right, another question. Which of you couples are going to be the first to seek out peace through establishing right order in your family? Yes. Amen. When you actually pursue peace, your family will land in the blessings of God. Do you want your family to land in the blessings of God? I'm talking about supernatural power, protection, provision, that Shekinah glory that is filling your home, that anytime someone even passes by the front door, they either feel conviction or comfort based on their status with the living God. That's the kind of home that we need to build at LCM. But I have to tell a testimony. That wasn't always the state of my home. A long time before we figured out what these principles are, we experienced a little bit of a little bit of turbulence in our marriage. And not just a shaking. I'm talking about the kind where the, you know, the mask deploy. <laughs> you need some extra oxygen from the Holy Ghost. 
I'd begun to make the turn from having an apathetic eye. I started doing good by taking ownership of the condition of my household. I began seeking out peace rather than passing the buck of blame. And I started pursuing the shalom of God through leading by example. This was fantastic. But it had an immediate result. That result was a mid-air collision between me and Cassidy. There she was, standing in our dining room with my two oldest children by her side and a newborn on her hip. She was digging her heels in even deeper into an unrepentant and stubborn heart. With her car keys in hand, she was threatened to leave me, taking the kids with her if I did not acquiesce to her version of peace. I calmly looked at my wife, and I told her, I am going to do what God told me to do and where he told me to do it. I want you to be with me, but you have to choose to join me or not. I was standing there realizing that I had to take ownership of following my husband as he followed Jesus. Thing is, what he was asking of me was not even that big of a deal. It wasn't sinful. It wasn't out of the will of the God. It was just in conflict to my personal preferences, the things I wanted, my grip of control. And that was the conflict. I realized in that moment I had a revelation in my spirit when he said, I'm going on with Jesus. I realized that what he was asking of me wasn't really him asking it of me. It was Jesus asking it of me. And I had to make a decision right there. If I was going to let Jesus pass me by, if he was going to go on and serve the Lord, and I was going to stay in the muck and mire that I had been delivered of in that moment. You know, Matt was listening to the instruction from the control tower, and I was the obstruction. Ladies, listen to me. You need to listen to your husband's instruction. Don't be the obstruction in your family's path to shalom. That's a good word. Don't be that. At that moment, the truth of Isaiah 30, verse 15, hit my heart. Isaiah 30, 15 says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. You know, sometimes you got to say, I'm wrong. This is wrong. I need to turn. I need to let go of this and I need to do what's right. And that rest where you lay down your arms and you let go of all of this junk you're holding to, that's where your salvation is. In quietness and trust is your strength. We feel like we got to fight. We got to be strong. We got to say stuff. No, it's when you shut that fearful voice that's raging inside your head and you decide to actually trust the Lord. That's when you're strong. You're not weak. When you're, when you're quiet, you're strong. That's when the Lord can work through you. Yeah. And isn't that what all ladies want? We want to be saved. I want to be rescued. Yeah. I want to be saved and I want to be full of strength. I don't want to be viewed as weak, but going about it the wrong way, you get the opposite of what you're going for. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust, that's where your strength is. Sorry, y'all. 
I praise God because I had good pastors and I have a good husband. Amen. And I was able to come out of that mess. That's the reason that I can stand here today and I can lead by example, not only in my home, but in this church. Amen. The truth is that I had three options in that moment, standing there with the car keys in my hand, wondering, what the heck am I going to do? But I was committed to that position. Three options, and two of them would have resulted in a crash. The first, I could walk out the door. I could separate from my husband, but I knew that he would go on and he would do the will, with, will of God without me. That's a crash landing, y'all. Or he could have chosen in that moment to yield to me. God, He could yield to my leadership. Then we both would have ended up in the ditch. That's a crash landing. (laughs) But the third option. Y'all say third option. Third option. The only option. I could get on board with God's flight path. Yeah! Right? And the design of this plane, that comes from listening to my husband's instruction and not being the obstruction. Amen. By the grace of God, I decided to follow my husband. (laughs) And that's why we are piloting LCM Airlines today. Amen. (laughs) Uh, What an honor. What a blessing it is for me as a husband to stand up here with my wife. And to be able to look at these past events and see them as memorial stones of foundational transformation. Yes. Amen. And when I first set my eyes upon Cassidy, it was something about her that just locked, locked my vision. Uh, she was beautiful on the outside, but what I saw on the inside was a tenacity for what is right. Cassidy, the tenacity Piro. <laughs> and I knew, and I could, I could see the evidence of, when she locked her mind into the right shalom, she was unstoppable yeah. in accomplishing it. And I said, I want that woman to be by my side, because that's the kind of woman I need to build the house that God wants me to build. Facilitating shalom in our family function is a core principle of LCM. Another passage of scripture that has richly blessed me and my wife is found in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23. Say there when you're there. When... They hurled their insults at him. Help me out, church. Who's the him in this passage? When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. What a clear example that we have before us. The perfect son of God being perfectly obedient to the father of heaven. And he entrusted his very life to the one who judges justly. But with that in mind, I think we should read on. And Cassidy, pick up in verse 1 of chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3 verse 1 says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Come on. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words Come on, man. by the behavior of their wives. Yeah. 
when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair or the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Ladies, if chapter 3 of 1 Peter is not highlighted, encircled, written upon, teardrops even on the very passages, you're missing out on the blessing of revelation of how to facilitate shalom inside of your home. Mm how that that could lead to the family function that you are blessed to be a part of with your husbands. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. I love the way that God allows there to be grace given when we need the help to overcome our weaknesses. And the way that He provides Four wives in a household is that he simplifies and then he fills you with his spirit to accomplish that simplified truth and standard. But I want to turn my attention to husbands. Because chapter 3 of 1 Peter starts with the understanding that wives in the same way, like Jesus, who entrusted himself to the one who judges justly when harm is being done to him. Husbands... Let's look at verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with the respect as the, what kind of partner? Weaker partner. And as heirs with you of the glorious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. One of the understandings of the weaker partner is that though I may be able to pick up an object that is 100 pounds and move it across the room, and my wife cannot, she can pick up 10 pounds 10 times and still accomplish the same work alongside of me. That as I am reflecting on in the same way that Jesus entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, I have to view the woman of God by my side as an easer that that judge has put next to me. And I must treat her with the same kind of consideration as a father would for his daughter. And in doing so, I will establish shalom in my home and not even our prayers can be hindered. That together as a unit, we will ascend to the heavenly realms and bring destruction to the works of the devil and put them underneath our foot as a husband and as a wife. Husbands, you must see that chapter 2, verse 23 relates to verse 7 in chapter 3. You must entrust yourself to Jesus because you are his bride. You belong to him. He purchased you with his own blood. Wives, you also have a mandate as well. So if he's entrusting himself because he is Jesus' bride, how much more do we? We entrust ourselves to our husband 
as Jesus entrusted himself to the Father because we are their bride. Amen. If you don't, it shows you don't trust the judge. Say that one more time, my dear. If you don't trust your husband, it shows that you don't trust the judge. When a wife begins to trust her husband, demonstrating that she trusts the judge, there's a certain beauty about that. Tell us about that, Cassidy. Oh, y'all. Okay, so y'all know I went to cosmetology (laughs) school because I wanted to learn how to make women beautiful. And for years, Matt has been trying to get me to say these simple words. I am beautiful. See, I said it. You did it, baby. Yeah. 21 years of effort right there. Amen. (laughs) But I'm not talking about external beauty, y'all. The Bible clearly lays out right here in 1 Peter how we are to achieve this hard, sought-after attribute. We must submit to our husbands. We must do what's right, and we cannot give way to fear. That's what true beauty is. So, in the spirit of cosmetology, ladies, we need a trim. We need to trim away self-sufficiency and our grip of control. We need to highlight what the word of God tells us is good, and we need to do it. (laughs) And we need to get a perm, (laughs) y'all. We need to get a permanent stance against fear and show our trust in the Lord by following our husband. (laughs) This is what the word of God calls beautiful. An orderly arrangement between you, your husband, and God. Amen. You know, the word for beautiful in First Peter is cosmos, as in cosmetology. And it means rightly ordered. So this is actually the perfect definition of beauty. You in right order with your husband and God. Come on, this is the beauty that I've been trying to help my wife see in and of herself. Then when she would look into the mirror of God's word, she would see that she has trimmed away that self-sufficiency and control. That she has highlighted the dependency on the word of God. And she has got a permanent stance to crush fear and rise to the level of trusting her husband in every manner. I stand here as a man of God today because of the woman of God that Cassidy is. I couldn't be more proud to have her as my wife. And together, we've produced a family. Together, we produce four beautiful daughters. And beautiful in the same way that Cassidy has just explained it to you. Because, you know, the Piro family has a function of propelling others into his presence. Right? I'm talking about freight train propelling. In that spirit, I would like to invite my four little propellers to join me on stage with my wife. That's right. That's right. So, Natalie, tell us a little bit about what you've been blessed by in the Piro household. I am blessed to have grown up in this household, and I will take ownership of my responsibility to follow my parents and my future husband as they follow the Lord. Amen. Sid, what about you, baby? 
I am being blessed to grow up in this house. I will not pass the buck or blame others because I know that all that is required of me is to follow my parents and my future husband as they follow the Lord. Come on, man. Beautiful women. I am being blessed to grow up in this house. I must lead by example like my mother in addressing my condition so that I can enjoy the blessings of Shalom. Amen. I want to be beautiful, being right being in right order with God and man so that I can walk in my family's function. Amen. So some of the history that we have shared with you of the turbulent times by establishing right order in our home, look at the beauty that God has developed in my four daughters. Making them fit for a king. But not right now. (laughs) You know what? One of the signs that Noah was a righteous man was that his whole family followed him into the ark. One of the signs that Noah was a righteous man is that his entire family followed him into the ark. Some husbands have trouble just getting their whole family to come to church on time. Some households have trouble just deciding on what restaurant to go to. But Noah was a righteous man who got his whole family on the Ark of Shalom. And we stand here inhabiting this planet today because of that stance of Shalom that he took and the fact that his family went with him. Noah took ownership for his personal and familial devotion to God's word. Noah did not pass the buck. But he courageously led his family to get in the truck. And by doing so, Noah was providing salvation to the entire world. But understand, church, it was because his whole family was all aboard. These are the fundamental principles that have established what you see, experience, and are benefited by at LCM. But it leads me to some of my final questions. Is your family all aboard? I mean your entire family. Are they all aboard? Who should be the first to this altar? Who should be the first to lead by example and come to that landing point of hitting your knees at this altar and asking the Lord, as a pilot of my home, where have I strayed in my direction? Where have I led myself and my whole family off the waypoint path and have searched for a landing other than the one that you have designed me for? Which of you co-pilots you wives have been more of an obstruction than receiving instruction. Which of you are going to follow right behind your pilot at this altar and stand with him as you both seek shalom together and establish that right order that God can bless? And lastly, which of you children, you little propellers, which of you 
have been shunning the protective covering of shalom, maybe even speaking ill of it in your own heart, despising its restrictions and not realizing that it has been there to liberate you from the bondage of decay. Will you come and stand with the co-pilot and pilot of your home and complete that entire level of all aboard that it's, it's depending on you, children, to join your households in facilitating shalom? So as we stand to our feet, I want you to weigh your hearts. Husbands, let it start with you. Don't wait till I start praying. It starts with you. If there's any one of these points that you have deviated from now, come down to the altar. Wives, co-pilots, don't let your husbands stand alone. Come with them. Children, join with them. Let the Lord reveal to your heart what is out of shalom, that it may be in shalom. And we will all benefit as a church with the power and presence of God ministering through every home at LCM. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the families and the lives that you have given us at this church. And Lord, help us. Help us align with your right order, beginning with us, the husbands, the leaders of every household. Lord, help every wife. Lord, crucify their flesh, fear, desire, control so that they could be the co-pilots and easers that you have designed them to be. Let the children's hearts relinquish fear and selfishness, that they would join the completion of their household and enable salvation to flow through them. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. We invite your presence.